This is an ABC podcast. This is The Conversation Hour with Rochelle Hunt and Jonathan Kendall on ABC Radio. What are the rules around dangerous dogs and are they strong enough to keep us safe? Or, Rochelle Hunt, does a ban on some breeds need to be considered? A woman in Queensland was killed by three pit bull terriers. So, again, it raises the questions and debate. Can some dog breeds be inherently dangerous or is it as simple as how they are raised? Today we're going to look at the res- what the restrictions cover, when they were last updated, how they're policed and if they need to change. So, how do we stop dog attacks? On ABC Radio, this is The Conversation Hour with Rochelle Hunt and Jonathan Kendall. Dr Liz Walker is the CEO of RSPCA Victoria. Liz, is it as simple as some dogs should be banned? Oh, good morning, um, Rochelle. Good to, good to be here. Uh, no, it's not, it's not that simple. It's not that simple at all. In fact, um, our policy certainly doesn't support legislation uh, regarding particular breeds. It's been shown around the world on uh, many occasions that it just simply is not effective. Okay, and how are dogs or dangerous dogs policed or restricted in Victoria? Yeah, so there is um, there is uh, legislation around dangerous dogs and if an animal is declared a dangerous dog um, by the local council, it's um, administered by the local council, then people with those dogs are required to meet certain standards, which means that they have to have um, a signage on their home to indicate that there's a dangerous dog there. The dog has to have uh, a, um, a red and yellow striped collar. It must, if it ever goes outside, obviously has to be restrained and wear a muzzle. And there are rules around um, the enclosure uh, for that animal too. I think it's also, um, you know, I think one of the key things to really understand here about dangerous dogs uh, is that... Um, um, the abundance of aggression in dogs is um, is driven uh, through fear in, a, in an otherwise healthy animal. And the way that that happens uh, is really a combination of uh, its genetics and its learned experiences and training and also its environment. So it is a, um, it's a complex, it's a complex matter, but to be honest, uh, um, uh, like so many things, um, education of uh, people and socialisation and training of animals in the first instance is, um, is, is a solution. Liz, I know in the past that the RSPCA has called it deed, not breed, you know, looking mm. at it being the onus on the owner. And that happens time and time again. Are these restricted lists enough? I mean, we are putting all of this onus onto the owner to do all of the right things. Is that actually going to happen? Is that enough? Well, look, I think that um, it is a, um, it's, it's definitely a community responsibility. And the fact of the matter are that um, when, um, you know, it's, there has been really reactive legislation that's come in uh, in different places around the world in response to just horrendous events like we saw in Queensland last week, which is um, shocking and devastating and just unimaginable. But, for instance, in the UK a number of years ago, there was a similar event. They brought in breed restrictive legislation and then ended up repealing it because it really didn't um, 
help the help the problem because if uh, to be if people want their dogs to be aggressive, if people want to train their dogs to be aggressive, then they can do that regardless of what breed they are. The other things that really matter when um, when it comes to aggression and and the impact on the community is, you know, you look at the genetics, you look at the learning, you look at the environment, and then when you look at the actual animals, there the likelihood that they will escalate quickly um, is also a risk factor and. And what sort of dog they are. So the bigger the, the bigger dogs or the dogs with the really big um, jaw muscles, the ones that tear, those guys can do a whole lot of damage. As distinct from you know a, a smaller little you know a smaller little lap dog, they can be super aggressive too, uh, but they're very unlikely to kill you. So it's the bigger guys that can that really cause cause the damage. And I think we really need to be. Um, aware that if people want to create aggressive dogs, then they will do that. In fact, in Canada, um, uh, they they introduced the restrictive breed legislation and they outlawed um, uh, pit bulls and those sorts of animals. And overnight, uh, you know, the the people who were using dogs um, uh, for aggression for, um, for aggressive types of activities and for protection of themselves, and usually uh, people who were um, you know in, engaged in probably unlawful activity, they all flipped to Rottweilers. Uh, that um, who can be the most delightful, beautiful animals, uh, lovely dogs that you can get. But if you want to train them to be aggressive, uh, they can do a whole lot of damage if uh, if that's the way that they're conditioned. So there's there's a lot to this. Let's have a chat with Roger from Monbolk about this. Morning, Roger. Good morning. What are your thoughts? Well, uh, we were just sick of these dogs. Uh, we had a. Uh, a fairly friendly uh, Labrador cross at the time and uh, they were out to kill him. Uh, in tandem, they attacked him. And uh, uh, But I just found that uh, White King or anything like that, given that a dog's sense of taste and smell is so acute, it put them right off. And uh, I just give it to them straight down the tonsils when they're baring their teeth and that puts them off. They won't come back for a second dose of that. So you, that was something that you would put around the house so it could smell it? Oh, no. You, you carry it with you. And when the dog comes to menace you, you just let, let them have it. Oh, they, gosh. But I don't know whether that's like something we want to advocate either, Roger. I mean, this is the tricky thing, isn't it, Liz? People are scared of some of these aggressive dogs. And the last thing we want is somebody going around and spraying something like White King on, on another dog as a way of protecting themselves. Yeah. How, I, how do we work with community fear? Well, I think, um, you know, Roger, um, you know, highlights some of it. It sounds like Roger's had a, a really terrible experience. I think one of the things that we really need to, to work on um, is that, you know, recognising that we have a huge number of animals in our life and they um, abundantly have a really positive experience uh, on our personal lives and our family and our sense of well-being. But there is this risk we need to manage. We really need to understand uh, to be able to recognise um when our animals are feeling fearful. And I think as an owner, um, being really aware of what your animal can tolerate and what it doesn't like is really important. So you don't actually put them in a situation where they are fearful and they might be aggressive. So um, learning learning what to do uh, about your own animal and recognising those signs in other animals and what to do about that too is really key. So um, if I could, you know, in terms of a healthy dog, and a healthy dog that's fearful um, is first up probably going to just try to put some space between itself and whatever's making its worried. So if your animal's backing away and is scared of something, for goodness sake, don't pressure it. 
go with it, make it easy, take away the stress. The other thing is that they do, sometimes the signs that they show, show of stress are not Can what we Can I just push back on that a little bit there, Liz? Yeah. If, if a dog mm-hmm. is coming at you, yeah. you are panicking and, and you yeah. don't know what to do. And yeah. the natural reaction from anyone would be to – it happened to us on the, the beach just over the weekend and my husband's natural reaction was to jump in the middle between my daughter and, and a dog. And yeah. your natural reaction is to push something away. So, how, so I think what I was talking about then was if it's your dog and your dog's showing stress, take it, you know, sure, or okay. um, then, then you take it away. You're absolutely right, though. If an animal um, rushes up to you, um, then um, your, our natural instinct is to run away or to push it away or to really, um, you know, get involved and sort of eyeball it and what have you. And, in fact, that's... That's that's not what we should do. If you're if you're approached by an unfamiliar dog, and it's, especially you know when it's, if it's moving if it's moving slowly and what have you, stand still, remain calm, uh, and it, and you'll be really boring. It'll have a sniff and it'll go away. Um, avoid eye, eye eye contact and and try not to make any loud noise or noises or move um, in a way that is going to sort of startle the dog or excited. I think that, um, um, you know, that's hard to do, but time and time again, uh, that has actually proven really effective. Um, If the dog does try and attack you, then um, a couple of things you can do is that you can give it something, like give it your bag, give it your jumper, give it something to... Um, give it something to work to work on and take it away from you and then either stand still or gently move away. Um, and then um, if the attack continues, turning sideways and protecting your arms and your face and your neck with, um, and the front of your body with your arms um, and asking people to, to call for help is what you need to do. Gee, you'd thing. have to have nerves oh, of steel, wouldn't absolutely. you? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. dog's getting that. my handbag just quietly. <laughs> <laughs> just, just listening to what you, you're recommending there, Lisa, just, you must have to be so brave to just stand still, keep your hands down by your side, uh, avert mm. your eyes, so don't look at mm, something that look. is trying mm. to attack you. That just mm. must be incredibly hard. Uh, on the text line, this says, my family have been trying to get a new dog for a year. Lots of the adoption dogs are the, are the dangerous breeds that I would not have around children. So there seems to be uh, plenty of those in adoption shelters. Uh, Jan from Sebast- so Sebastopol says, uh, Border Collies were developed to work. Maremmas were bred to guard stock. Pit Bulls were bred to fight. All dog breeds were developed with a reason. Dangerous dogs have an added risk of being kept as pets. Mm. Is it as simple as that, Dr. Liz Walker? Mm. Uh, no, it's it's really not, and I, I think that there's a couple of things that you said. So actually, pit bulls are actually raised to work in pits in um in the mines in 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 the UK, and in fact, they're uh, they're very good with people uh, usually. But um, it's and it's people who have taken their their attributes, which is their um, particularly their really strong jaw muscles, to turn them into fighting breeds in some instances. But they're if they're raised um you know like uh, as they should be with uh, well socialised in a good environment, they can be um, they can be lovely pets. It's entire, it's abundantly about their um, their training and and their environment. And so I think also you know it's it the evidence simply doesn't stack up, and it is really easy to um, to develop an aversion to to some breeds. And even the the person who was saying that you know in the shelters there are all these um, dangerous dangerous breeds. Well. Um, they're not. Um, they are. Um, they do tend to be dogs that are bigger and more more active. And we do um, find that we do have a lot of staffies, and staffies are the loveliest, friendliest, 
dogs as well, but they sometimes get confused with what people might think a pit bull is, and they do have the big jaw muscles. But again, when you're getting an animal or, you know, when you're getting a dog, what you need to do is contemplate what your lifestyle is and what you can, uh, what you need, what an animal will need and what you can offer it and pick the right one. And so some of those more, some of these more active dogs like Kelpies and, and Staffies that need, need to play and do exercise, they're not going to suit everyone. Stephen Frankson says it's too easy to own a dog. There are just way too many. Big dogs should be restricted to rural areas. Owners leave them alone barking with no control at all by authorities. Another saying, I've been attacked by a local rottweiler, called the local council a number of times. They couldn't do anything or come to the park. So it's really just a waste of time. Just finally, Dr Liz Walker, do you think that the restrictions at least need to be tightened or policed? I mean, we have got a lot of correspondence here on text from people that kind of are disagreeing with what you say. Yeah, look, I know that um, it is a really emotional issue and we do, um, we are a, a nation of, of uh, people who love love their dogs and I think we've certainly had um, an uptick in a number of dogs in our community during COVID too. Uh, there is no doubt that uh, as individuals who have dogs, we have to make sure that um, as responsible pet owners, we control our animals, we don't let them off. We only let them off lead in an unleashed area if we're confident uh, of their behaviour and, how, and our ability to recall them. Uh, there's a huge onus on people to do that. And I think there is a valid point to make sure that, you know, that uh, people are doing that, but also councils are... Um, enforcing enforcing um, the, the local laws around dog ownership and responding to concerns that people have um, around dogs that may not be um, behaving in a way that that we need them to. I'd really encourage people to to look at some of the resources that local governments have, uh, and also at the RSPCA website on how to train animals and how to make sure that we can keep them safe and own them well, so that they're not fearful, and that they um and that they have a good life and continue to make our lives better too. Yeah, fair call. Look, thank you so much for having a chat with us this morning, Dr. Liz Walker, the CEO of RSPCA Victoria. And as you said, Rich, lots and lots of texts here on this. Um, Rosie and Mitchum saying our dog Henry was 65 kilos, so that's a decent uh, lump of a dog. Uh, a Great Dane cross with Mastiff, and he was the gentlest, laziest, and most perfect companion for our kids. We miss him every day says that text. Um, and another one here with no name on it says, it's extremely unlikely that a dog off-leash with its owner is going to be vicious. The overreaction from people astounds me. As the doctor said, it's about their training. And if some humans actually have a dog that is unreliable out in public, then they mm. should be taken to task. And even more saying, you know, aggressive dogs should be muzzled 24-7. And others saying, referring to Liz, talking about what to do if you are being attacked by a dog, they seem to believe that that's advice given from someone that's never been attacked by a dog. But you <laughs> I've do got panic. that sense too, Rish. Yeah, I, look, if, if a dog was coming at me, baring its teeth and Ooh. trying to bite me, I mean, it's very hard to stay calm in that situation. I guess some people can do it though. Uh, I don't good know. <laughs> I, sure. I can remember years ago actually hearing someone uh, really aggressive. I was in an apartment and I could hear a really aggressive sounding dog and I could hear someone kind of panicking a little bit and I didn't know where it was coming from and I didn't know who to call. I, I actually ended up ringing triples zero and saying, look, I'm, I'm not, here's where I am and here's what I can hear. Um, and it was a real sense of fear even from me hearing the panic in someone's voice trying to to get this particular dog away from them. Hi, Godwin. Right. Um, yeah, the, um, the original Vegemite ad 
um, had a little child there with an American people. I can't oh. remember that ad. How long ago was that? Oh, uh, look, I'm probably a little bit older than you, so like the original Vegemite ad that used to come on TV where it was black and white. Um, no, that had a child there with a massive pit bull sitting right next to it. And, and so you reckon, God, when it's about how dogs are trained, is that it? Yeah, that's it. Look, um, I agree with you. Um, 99.99, um, most dogs are usually very placid. Um, yeah, it's just usually the way they're brought up. It's like ends, like anything. You, you will get the odd one or two, and doesn't matter what breed it is, I don't think it is. Um, they are vicious, whether they be small, big, medium or what. And you've had pit bulls in the past, is that right? Yep. How many? And, and how do people react to them? Um, most of the time, same as when I see one. Um, they're usually a beautiful dog, as long as the trainer, or the owner, I should say, is uh, taking care of them with love and attention. That's all um, they're after, I guess. And when you purchase a, a, a pit bull, are you informed straight away of the restrictions and of the laws you have to abide by, Godwin? Oh, look, I haven't had one for a long time. That was a long time ago. But uh, back then, uh, there really wasn't any restrictions. Um, the biggest drama was getting them into the country, which cost a fortune, but that was about it. And thank you for that, God. And we're going to have a chat around the legalities of having a dog like this and the dogs on the um, restricted dog list in Victoria uh, a little bit later this hour. But first, let's go to Justin, who isn't very far from Bacchus Mars. She's in Ballarat. Morning, Justin. Um, what's your situation? Oh, he's a bull massive red healer, Ridgeback Cross. Everyone knows him in Ballarat. And people like so. It's about people knowing your your dog, and even if they are big as well. Do, do you keep? Do you, is there anything you do to make sure that people feel safe around your dog? Yeah, they love him because so many people. I mean, I get parents with everything down to kids with autism that come over and want to bring their kids over to see him and say good day and have a pat. Mm. Good and, on um, you, Justin. Thank you for having a chat with us. And uh, we've got to get to Gladys, who is in Vermont South. Morning, Gladys. Oh, good morning. Um, I was just—I'm just listening to them all, and I understand the theory of all that. My big dog being very friendly, but really, when you're on a dog park and there's lots of little children and lots of little dogs and lots of people, then people really have no control of their dogs if they should just run up and grab a little dog or jump on a little child. And the big dogs can do such damage so quickly out of the blue. Have so, you seen that happen, Gladys? I have. I had. I was. I, I actually was in a dog park in Glen Iris, which you don't normally see many dogs like that. And it was a massive running wild. And a gentleman was running around doing laps around the thing, and he saw me looking, looking um, at the dog, and ran up towards me. And I got, was, you know, quite honest, I felt quite terrified. Um, and they're little children, and he says, "Don't worry, he's 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 um he's, <laughs> he's harmless. Yeah. He's friendly." Damage in so so quickly, and how many times have you heard my dog 
Oh, Gladys, the reason why I'm laughing is because I had the exact same, I'll say, conversation with somebody on the weekend around their dog. They said that exact same thing to me. And look, in fact, it probably was, but it was trying to get a Frisbee off my daughter and was about probably twice, if not three times the size of my child. And what's interesting, Jono, is now I actually feel like my, and this is not about me in any way, shape or form, but I can sense a little bit of fear around bigger dogs with my daughter now. And so I do wonder whether a lot of the onus comes down to, depending on where you are, dogs should be on leashes. Uh, but, you know, maybe sometimes there's places where humans should be and let the dog be a dog as well but mm. just knowing what is right in that circumstance yeah and, and knowing the dog as well because often the owner will know well you know my dog won't hurt a fly so it's it's fine i don't think that this dog is threatening at all but to a small child or to someone who doesn't know that dog if they get charged they they start to fear dogs which can be really really damaging so do we need to look at what the restrictions cover? When when were they last updated? How are they uh, policed? And does anything need to change? How do we stop dog attacks? Guy Hull is the author of The Dogs That Made Australia. He's also a dog behaviourist. Guy, you've been listening to a lot of this. We've covered a lot of ground already. How much of it just comes back to the owner? Is it as simple as that? Oh, every single thing comes back to the owner. It's uh, dogs are what we make them, so doesn't really the breed's really irrelevant how that how that animal is um, raised and trained and socialised and controlled. Well, the breed's not 100% irrelevant because there's a list of restricted dogs in Victoria. So the authorities are clearly saying there are some dogs that are or can be quite dangerous. Any dog can be dangerous. A Labrador can be dangerous if it's not raised right. So I agree with Liz with Dr Liz Walker, what's he saying about different dog breeds. The problem is with the breeds, the problem is with the breeds that are, that are being declared restricted is most of them are all tough breeds that we use for specific purposes that they're no longer used for and then they find their way as pets and they're inappropriate as pets for the average person. But someone who can manage them and look after them properly, they're okay. So their, their uh, ferocity and their aggression was appreciated maybe about hunting humus or something in South America. But that aggression is then allowed to develop in, 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 in homes where people don't take care of them properly and, and getting the dog excitement is, excited is the lowest common denominator in, in entertaining your dog or engaging with your dog. So they get these breeds, they see that they're aggressive, they, they uh, exploit that and play, you know, like tugging games and sort of violent sort of games with them and they don't have any control. They want to be able to take them to a dog park and let them mix with other dogs and they're inappropriate for that. So but is it more than that the restrictions need to say that some dogs shouldn't be allowed to be kept as pets if you have a legitimate reason for keeping them in other instances that that's okay, but for pets, no? It would really depend on the competency of the person that's got it. Look, I just think they're inappropriate as pets myself. I wouldn't own one, but it's the pe- it's people... It's People who should be, it's all up to people. Behaviour is what we create in dogs. So you could get one of those, you could get a Japanese toaster or something, one of those ferocious fighting breeds, but if it's raised properly, always kept under control, always kept on lead, given strict obedience and brought up properly, it won't be a threat to anyone in the community. It probably shouldn't be there. The problem is people want to get these dogs and let them run around like it's a poodle. And it's a Labrador mixed with other dogs, and most of the time, those people, or anyone who's a good dog handler, 
doesn't really want to take their dog off leash because you, you lose control. And as soon as you get, the more excited they get, the more control that you lose, the less control you've got. So the problem is people do go to dog parks. There's so many problems in dog parks. People, your dog should be, ex- dog spends all day off lead. It should be on lead with you, doing what you want, taking its exercise with you and working in tandem with you one, uh, twice or at least once a day for a good amount of time, and you build that bond. It should be focused on you, not everything else that's going on around the place. Well, uh, I want to say welcome to the conversation now to Ben in St Kilda, who uh, has a story. G'day, Ben. What's that story? Well, about 18 years ago, we were holidaying uh, in uh, country Victoria. We stayed in a motel. Uh, We were there for three days, and every time we walked to our room, there was a great, in a sort of a uh, wide-off corner of the motel, there was this huge kind of pit bull-type massive dog. Every time you'd walk past it, it just, run at the gate and bang on it and bark and it, was, it looked incredibly vicious so you know I was happy for it to be in there and on the third night when we were checking out we were standing at the uh, counter checking out uh, my son was seven years old standing behind us and, the, and there was an open doorway I turned around there's the dog off leash standing at the doorway itself and it just leapt straight on my son and attacked him and I I just leapt on the dog and I don't know what happened pulled him off and his son had uh, cuts and scratches uh, and we were just in shock um, and of course and every time we'd walk past that dog the two owners or the youngest owners of the motel said oh he's fine he's fine he's fine he's fine um, but we knew he wasn't and look just listening to the conversation we can talk all we like about, and I believe people have been dogs like that and they are well trained and they're great but there needs to be much more money put into offices that go around. You can, you're dobbing people for throwing cigarette butts out of the window of their car and you get a $480 fine. Why can't you just say, look, I've seen this dog reacting badly. They get a visit. Maybe it's on the third visit. There's some sort of, they have to uh, do some sort of course like you do if you get caught for drunk driving. I mean, it's, it's not, it's irrelevant about, we can talk and talk about, you know, different breeds of dogs. When it happens, it's just horrendous. And how's your son now? How long ago was this, Ben? Uh, 18 years ago. He's 25 now. And does, did it have an impact on how he is around dogs? Yeah, he was shaky for quite a few years around dogs, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, and we were. I mean, you know, and I and we know our dogs pretty well. I've had dogs and our family's had dogs. Um, uh, but it's, it's in, if we don't visit these people, now they could be... But people need to report the behaviour and it needs to be followed up. I mean, the case went to court. We, well, we just called the local police just to report it because we were horrified that it could happen to anyone else. And it ended up that yeah. I think you got a diversion order. And unfortunately, the local police person that came said, you're not here to cause trouble, are you? You know, after our son had just been attacked, you know. Ben, you raise a really good point. I think that's what, you know, we were trying to raise with the RSPCA as well. Yes, okay, we have these restrictions in place. There are rules you have to abide by, but how are they policed? Guy Hull, can we put that to you? I mean, Ben raises some really good points there. We we police things and we monitor things a hell of a lot smaller than dog ownership and aggressive dog ownership and, and how it's got to that point. How, how do we police it? Is it even done at all? Oh, look, dogs are an essential part 
of society. We wouldn't probably have civilized civilization if it wasn't for dogs, but they're not managed right. It's the thing is, look, we've got these restrictions, and the restrictions are a band aid response to this. What needs to happen? We need to have community education, regular regular community education about how to maintain your dog properly, what kind of dog is appropriate, what kind of, you know, like, loser you got to be to have a dog that just wants to attack other people. People who, who raise dogs that, that are, like, seriously aggressive ought to be just about doing jail time as far as I'm concerned, and anyone who owns a dog that attacks or kills someone should be doing jail time. It's no different than, it's no different than, than beating someone to death. Uh, well, let's let's just leave that there and go to Susanna in Altona, um, who has owned Staffies. Uh, morning, Susanna. Yeah, hi. How are you going? Good. So I've owned Staffies, which are obviously a lot of people get frightened by the breed because it's a stocky, strong-jawed breed. Um, and one of the things that I find absolutely frustrating. I've got a very friendly dog. He's extremely well-trained. He walks on a lead, but he loves to have a run and a play at a dog park. And when people go with uh, frightened dogs to a dog park, that's stupid. If you want to walk your dog on a lead, don't go to a dog's off-leash park. If you've got children and you don't like dogs, don't hang at a dog's off-leash park. I've been yelled at by people for having my dog off-lead in a dog's off-leash park purely because of his breed. He's never attacked anybody, and he's an extremely well-trained, well-adjusted dog. And There's knows- a lot of texts saying similar things to you, Susanna, saying, well, look, you know, don't play... You know, don't let your kids play at a, an off-leash dog park or vice versa. Don't take your dogs to where there's playground and just got, everyone using common sense here. interacting with dogs, why would you go to a dog's off-leash park? You know, why would you, why would you go to that particular park when there's 60 other parks in the suburbs that don't, that don't allow dogs off-lead? It just seems insane. And, you know, I've had conversations with people who've had a go at me about my dog being off-leash and it's like, no. Why are you here? This is this is where he's allowed to play. Mm. Thank you for your story, Susanna. Uh, Max is in Euroa. Morning, Max. Yeah, good morning. Great conversation. So just wanted to put another perspective on it. About eight years ago, um, my wife and 18-month-old daughter were at the grandparents' house. Two beautiful golden retrievers of pure bred, as gentle as could be. My daughter was with the grandmother and lent down to pat one of the golden retrievers bang, latched onto her face. Um, mm. Fortunately, my grandmother was there, shocked, um, was able to uh, disengage the dog and um, and that, and we, the hospital with only minor little scars. But, you know, if you get a dog on a bad day, <laughs> it doesn't matter. She didn't poke it in the eye or anything like that. And that aggression happened a few days later between a glass door and a window when my daughter was on one side of the glass door and the dog was on the other side, the golden retriever snarled up and hairs at the back and, you know, for some reason, just... And ever since then, they had mm. troubles with that dog. So just a, a flap, a mind switch. And anyone's had Jack Russell, 
They know they're nippy. <laughs> yeah, and look, we've had texts around little dogs as well. Gosh, I'm so glad um, that your daughter's okay. Let's go back to Guy Hull. He's the author of Dogs That Made Australia. He's also a dog behaviourist. Guy, more and more of us own dogs now as well, and they are a huge part of our society. They're everywhere from dog parks to restaurants that we go to, the hairdressers to shops. You know, we take our dogs everywhere, from working dogs, you name it. Is that a big part of it now too, that they're just – such a big part of our everyday lives that maybe we're not that prepared to be interacting with dogs as often as we are? Well, I think you probably make a good point there. I just think that there's a lot of... I think, look, you know, I'm in my 60s. When I was a, in my generation, ran around with dogs running loose everywhere, like civic laws have made you know, dogs be, have to be restrained to properties and stuff, but dogs tagged around with kids everywhere once upon a time, and it was a good thing and a bad thing, but we're meeting more and more dogs who are, and I'm dealing with more and more dogs who are owned by people who are inexperienced with dogs and haven't had dogs in their family. And people want that company. People are turning to dogs for company now. There's more and more, you know, people who live alone. So, you know, dogs are great companions. So not everyone's skilled. That's the point I was making before. Community education, helping people to understand what the animal is and just what it needs to be happy and balanced and under control. Government should be doing that. People should be receiving that more readily receiving that information because there's dog behaviours working everywhere full time with dog problems because people are getting more sophisticated, more out of touch with the animal. So that's part of it, education. But Obviously. what else needs to happen? How do we stop dog attacks into the future? Look, dogs. <clears throat> most dog attacks happen because there's a high level of excitement of one way or the other. Right, if dogs are calm, like sleep, I know it's the extreme, but sleeping dogs are perfect dogs. So dogs that are calm and under control, it's a, if they're on lead, if they're restrained to their properties and they're on lead out in public working with their with their owners, everyone's happy. The problem is a lot of these dangerous breeds that create problems aren't looked after properly. They escape, the, they roam around the place, they, they, they run the neighbourhood, they become really tough and territorial. And they start picking on smaller, weaker animals, and that's what they do. So keeping dogs contained is like highly important. It's you know, and it can be a bad thing because people are away. Both both you know, the couple works dogs by itself a lot of the time. It gets bored. If it doesn't receive adequate stimulation before or after, but people are away, don't want to go and find company for itself. So probably people don't think when they get dogs, people are make inappropriate choices or what breed they should get. There's, uh, there's lots of ways that you can circumvent that. If you get a dog that's suitable for you and suits your lifestyle and suits the community, just need a nice dog. It doesn't really matter what breed it is or even if it's a crossbred. As long as it's a nice dog and it's under control, and we should not, we should steer away from those aggressive breeds. People who are inexperienced with, particularly people who are inexperienced, should steer away from those breeds. Thanks for your insights, Guy. You're welcome. Guy Hull, author of The Dogs That Made Australia, is also a dog behaviourist and been doing that for decades. This text, Jono, this is rubbish. People said the same thing about guns. I have two dogs, a Jack Russell and a Kelpie. My parents train German shepherds. Our dogs do not have a right to be dangerous and it's our responsibility to train them. Our parks are shared. If my dogs ever had a go at someone, it's my responsibility to take the dog away and to get help. I love my dogs, but if one injured or attacked another person, I would put it down. There has to be zero tolerance. I grew up with German shepherds and a lot of them were ex-police dogs that were kind of too friendly or too dumb to be a police <laughs> dog. 
And I can remember, though, this one mate of ours, big kind of burly dude, sort of, you know, but those people that just kind of walk with real force and they have a really big presence and they're sort of just a huge person. And he walked down our driveway towards my dad and they were mates. But this German shepherd basically came up in between them and put his two sort of front legs up and pinned this guy against the wall. Didn't hurt him, but basically pushed him up against the wall as if to say, keep away from my master. And I'd never seen anything like it in my life. And you never know what what they're going to do. It was so confronting. What a clever and sophisticated dog to be able to do that and not just resort to violence but use a kind of a non-violent tactic to separate the two people of, or from what he thought was a threat uh, to to your dad. What a, what a dog. I've, yeah, I've had Benson. some. Benson. That was Benson. Benson was Good a on bit you, of a Benson. legend. Benson deserves <laughs> a pat, I reckon. Um, but what do you think? Do we need stronger restrictions around dogs? Do we need to change the way we think around uh, potentially dangerous dogs? dogs and restricted dogs and how do we stop dog attacks i mean we've already heard about education and some of the measures that can be taken to stop dog attacks on abc radio this is the conversation hour with rochelle hunt and jonathan kendall um if the dog does try and attack you then um a couple of things you can do is that you can give it something like give it your bag give it your jumper give it something to um, give it something to work to work on this? and take it away from it? you, and then either stand still or gently move away. Um, and then, um, if the attack continues, turning sideways and protecting your arms and your face and your neck with um, and the front of your body with your arms, um, and asking people to to call for help is what you need to do. That was earlier in the program, Dr Liz Walker, who's the CEO of the RSPCA Victoria, and that has caused a lot of debate here, Jono, just about whether or not yes. Technically, that may be the right thing to do, but whether or not any of us would be in a state of mind to be able to do all of those things if we were in a terrible, unfortunate situation to be attacked by a dog. But today we're looking at whether or not the restrictions list is enough, whether or not some dogs maybe should be put onto a banned list and how much of it, Jono, just simply comes back to the owner. I know I probably wouldn't be able to just stand quietly with my arms by my side and just avert eye contact with the dog, particularly if my kids were involved. Because, Rish, I remember um, back in August 2018 when paramedics were called out to the death of a 14-month-old girl who was mauled by a family pet at Neerham Junction. And that incident really affected me. It changed the way I parented. It changed um, the way I acted around dogs. And that was that was a German wirehead pointer that did that. It was a family dog. It was well-known to the family. They were in the kitchen. Um, and it was the, the girl's mum who had to pull the dog off her. So that incident for me and just, just covering that um, as yeah. a news story just made me change the way I feel about dogs and change the way I parent as well. Let's have a chat with Darren as well. Uh, Darren's is on Phillip Island. Good morning, Darren. Morning, people. Uh, before I get into my story, I'd just like to say one point. Anyone that gets pulled up more than three times with a dangerous dog should be banned from owning dogs. You think that's a change that needs them. to be made to the rules? Yeah, it's them, it's them that's the issue, not the dogs. And what now, happened to you? My story is that just on two years old, um, I was attacked by a cattle dog, um, Red Healer, um, because it was simply too old, arthritic, and in a lot of pain. And when I touched it, I obviously touched it in a way that caused it pain, and it just reacted. So we also have to be very aware that once our dogs get older and, and are in pain, they can also be a danger. 
And that's a sort of dog breed that you've mentioned there that I think everybody would never expect that either. Not that we want to stereotype with dogs, but however, some dogs are on a restricted list and others aren't, but it is rare to hear of that. But you raise a really good point, Darren. Thank you. Uh, Lucy is in Northcote. Good morning, Lucy. What's your point? Uh, good morning. Um, I would say definitely before we even get a dog, we need to be educated and have some sort of permit, license, something that says I understand how my dog behaves, how to train my dog, um, how to keep it, you know, w- well behaved at, or on lead if it can't be well behaved. And we need maybe strong laws regarding where children can play um, separate and where dogs can have um, dog park play. Um, I used to go to a, a fenced-in uh, oval that was a dog park, you know, it was a dog park at certain times and it was definitely for dogs. Um, and I would say to my children, this is time for our dog to play and I would either send them out or um, they would have to stand kind of nearby me but it wasn't for them to play, it was dog play time and i often would see people with very, very small children and often without a dog. And so they're to come and pat yeah. the dogs and sort of pushing and encourage the, encouraging tiny children to pat dogs they don't know. Now, that's baffling to me. That's How do you police them? I mean, this is all really... You've got some really good ideas, I have to say, Lucy, and I totally agree with all of what you're saying. But how do we police that? Oh, well, we police, um, we police where we park, we police problems with, um, you know, littering or, you know, just some more, is it a council thing? Is it, you know, a police thing? Uh, You know, I'm not, I'm not sure, but, you know, bigger signs and if these things are to be initiated, then we do need some, you know, reinforcement um, Mm. on those and do we on the spot fine. And I tell you, if you're at a park with a with a child, a dog park, off-lead dog park with a child, do not encourage your child to approach that's a dog that they do not know. That yeah, is- and that's that's the first rule. I think um, uh, I remember when uh, there was a, a dog education person came to my daughter's childcare and went through all of those things. You have to approach slowly and carefully and ask the owner first. Don't just pat any dogs that you don't know. And I know, I mean, dog parks are coming in for a lot of attention this morning on the text line and talk back as well as a real point of friction uh, between dog owners and dogs and other members of the public as well. But uh, there are rules. Often when you go to a dog park, there's a big sign that says these are the rules for this People dog park. People break the rules all the time, That's Jono. True. Don't get That's me started true. on rule breakers. I'm getting yeah. so old and cranky in my life. <laughs> this text says just resource it, get councils to do more. Brett Melky, you're an animal lawyer in Melbourne. Is it that simple? Do councils need to do more? Do we need on-the-spot fines? How do we, how do we police this? Well, councils are already doing a lot. Uh, there are a lot of cases of dog attacks and um, the councils seem to be fairly effective in uh, dealing with those matters. But dog attacks are very complicated and it's not so simple as a law and order punishment situation. What we have is a failure of the public to understand dogs. And just what someone was saying before on the talkback is spot on. Most of my cases of dogs attacking people are when people decide that they'll go and pat the nice dog they've never met before or they go and hug it. In particular, I've had quite a few where people, when they're really drunk, decide they're going to go up to the dog and give it a big hug because it's the best friend they've suddenly met. And, of course, what do the dogs do in that situation? They go and bite. And that's not, not all that surprising. I mean, when you don't go up to someone in the street and just 
who you don't know and just put your arms around them, give them a big hug and pat them on the head. Yeah, you'd whack their hand away, wouldn't you? I think you would. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's very harsh to be looking at it in terms of penalising dogs in that situation. Certainly I, I did have a case that went to the county court where the county court judge said, well, you know, what would you expect where you have uh, someone going up, approaching the dog from above, with their hand going down on the, per, on the uh, dog's head and strangely the dog bites them. Mm. It's, um, yeah, and that, dis- and that dog uh, was subject to a destruction order and the destruction order was vacated, uh, set aside by the judge. Uh, so you get those kind of cases commonly and with the cases of dogs attacking dogs, the most common scenario is where a dog rushes out of its front door, its front gate, when it's left open. And it attacks the first dog it sees because it's a territorial issue. The simple thing is to make sure people have self-closing gates or self-closing doors Mm. if they have dogs. I I saw that during lockdown um, last year in particular, there was a spike in dog attacks because so many people were getting out and walking their dogs Mm. and their dogs were meeting other unfamiliar dogs and there might be territorial issues, as you just mentioned there. How's business for you, Brett? Have you got lots of people with um, coming forward and talking (laughs) to you about dog attacks? I am still trying to deal with the overload of work that deluged upon me last year. Yes, there's, there's, there's an enormous amount of work arising out of that. And, uh, and uh, one of the other comments earlier in the program was about dogs being off-leash and dogs being on-leash. Yes, the dog off-leash won't attack, but you know what happens? The, when a dog off-leash meets a dog on-leash, the dog on-leash gets frightened, and I've had so many cases of this. Cases of this. The dog that is on-leash then attacks because it only has two things it can do, fight or flight, and it can't run away because it's on the leash, so it attacks. Again, it's not so simple as saying that's a bad dog. The problem is partly that the other dog was off leash. And I have a lot of those cases. Now, Brent, when as an animal lawyer, are the rules murky? I mean, do they need, are they clear cut? I mean, have you got a, a really finite set of guidelines that you can work around because we've had all sorts of things from whose responsibility is it on leash off leash you know don't pat a dog keep your gate shut i mean are you sort of with all due respect making this up as you go along and trying to use common sense or are there rules no the rules are very clear uh the, the rules are very clear in terms of what happens to people if the dogs attack someone the rules are very clear in relation to certain defences, but then there are certain defences and certain procedures under the Domestic Animals Act that are just appallingly written uh, by Parliament and no one can work out exactly what they mean and they'll be subject to cases that will then interpret the legislation and work out exactly what is meant by Parliament. But in terms of setting out what you can and can't do with the dogs, it's very clear and it's very clear how to enforce the Domestic Animals Act, which is your main piece of legislation. Mm, it, there is a bit of a grey area around crossbreeds, though, isn't there? Crossbreeds, not in terms of how you uh, enforce the law in relation to them. Uh, there is in relation to restricted breed dog uh, matters. People often mistake dogs that are uh, not remotely 
um, pit bulls for pit bulls. Um, but crossbreeds aren't really a problem. Um, I don't. I, I see more purebred dogs actually attacking my practice. Now, too, that we just see all sorts of, I mean, the, the sort of dogs that are bred now, and when we talk about crossbreeds, where do you start? People tell me the names of their dogs and what sort of breeds they are now, and I get the giggles because I don't even know what they're talking about. Are, are you seeing any of that change in the sort of cases that you're getting changed just given how much we do crossbreed and how much, I guess, people pay for their animals and what they expect them to be able to do? No, I'm not really seeing any change in that regard. Uh I've always seen every possible breed uh, come to me as a dog that's attacked. Uh, except I've put aside one breed, a toy poodle. They are always the victims. Um, they, they have a horrible rate of being attacked by other dogs uh, and fluffy white small dogs as well. But, Is that just um, because they look like an easy target? It seems to me from what behaviourists tell me that it, seems to be they're often just a toy. They're often small prey uh, and prey in terms of something that they will chase or run after and they're small and they don't really be, they're not really recognised as a dog even by the attacker. Mm. Look, so interesting to get your insights this morning, Brett. Thank you for that. Brett Melke, an animal lawyer in Melbourne, who says he's still catching up with work um, (laughs) after lockdown in Victoria last year when so many of us were out and about walking our dogs and there were so many dog attacks. Simon's in Fernie Creek. G'day, Simon. What did you want to say? Yeah, hi. Uh, very good afternoon. Loving the conversations. Um, I've, I've got to be honest, I've got a, a, a German Shepherd and she's nearly a year and I've got a, a black lab who's just over a year. And uh, when I go to a public park, I've got more concerns over the black lab um, because he's 37 kilos of love. And the problem is he loves to go after balls. He loves kids. He loves going up. And the job is he can become quite animated. But it's my responsibility as an owner to make sure that if I'm in an off-lead park area, I'm still that helicopter parent. I want to keep a bit of an idea of what's <laughs> happening, making sure my dogs are behaving. Simon, you raised um, an interesting point about your Black Lab's weight. There's been a few texts that say that weight needs to come into this because even if your dog is playful, if they weigh 70 or 80 kilos and they're coming at a, a small child. Yeah. My, my, back in the UK, um, I, I used to have a Black Lab there and he was exactly the same. He was extremely lovable. And I always remember he... Ran up to a child, um, just couldn't stop himself properly and knocked the child over. The parents were fine, but I was absolutely mortified because I thought, what if the child had fallen funny, banged his head or something like that? And it wasn't an attack. It was a a friendly, playful thing. I'm still responsible. So that kind of really opened my eyes to, in a general park area, my dogs stay on the lead as much as possible. Unless it's, I, I know it's a very safe area and I know it well, but... As people mm. have mentioned, if it's a off-league dog area, the clue's in the title. Don't take children in there. Don't take. I've seen people take dogs in there, like the toy pools we're talking about, and lifting them up and carrying them around because they're scared that other dogs are going to are going to go for them. It's like, well, why are you in here with that dog? Yeah, we all need to stick to our own parks. I think is the lesson from today's show. Simon, thanks so much. Yeah, lots of different texts here on dog restrictions and what should happen. Uh, and again, dog parks seem to be a real point of friction. Uh, Amber in Yarraville says, there's a dog park near me that has two separate fenced off sections. One is specifically for small and quiet dogs and the other is for any dogs. This gives all 
dog owners the option of exercising their dogs in an appropriate park where everyone can be safe. This should be available at all uh, off uh, dog off-leash parks. So thank you for your text, Amber. And if you have missed any of the conversation today, uh, you can catch up by just downloading the Conversation Hour podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And we'd love to hear if you mm-hmm. hear from you on email as well, because sometimes your emails turn into Conversation Hour. They certainly do. It's Conversation Hour at abc.net.au. And apologies to all of the callers and the texts that we couldn't get through today. We have had a full board about 10 times over today, and we simply couldn't get through all of your calls. So this might be something that we'll revisit in the future. But don't forget, if you missed a little bit of this or you want to share it with your friends, as Jono said, subscribe to the Conversation Hour podcast, ABC Listen app, or wherever you get your podcasts. So that's the Conversation Hour for today. Thanks for listening and have a good one.